0: Well, during our last few times together, we've spent time watching a man named Saul, a man breathing murderous threats toward the church. We've seen Saul have a kingdom encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. And and he's become a follower of Jesus who who defends the faith and he preaches the gospel of the Lord of the church. And today we, we catch up with one who was called to ministry much earlier. He was actually called out of a fishing boat, and that's the man named Peter. So I'm going to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 9. We last saw Peter, the Apostle Peter, along with John, travel to Samaria in order to bring that new church into fellowship with the original church in Jerusalem. They went down there to, to, to share, to bless that church and to share the Holy Spirit. And leadership is set in place of that new church. And so Peter and John, they, they depart for home. They, they're beginning the journey back to Jerusalem, and, and they're preaching all along the way. And, and, and today we're going to, to view two scenes. In just a few minutes, we're going to look at two scenes that deal with resurrection power. What does it mean and why does it matter? How, how do these two scenes impact our lives today as individuals, as the church? How do they impact? Scene 1, Acts chapter 9, verse 32. Peter is traveling through the regions of Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and he, and he comes down to the saints who live in a city named Lydda. And Lydda is a city on the way to Joppa, and it's within a day's journey of Jerusalem. And there, Peter finds a man named Aeneas. Aeneas has been bedridden for eight years. He's paralyzed. And evidently, Peter is directed to the man's home. We we don't know what happened to Aeneas. Luke, the writer of Acts, doesn't tell us Has Aeneas fallen? Has he been hit by a cart, pulled by oxen? We don't know. Well, Peter says to the man, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your own bed. And immediately, Aeneas gets up. Get up! Aeneas got up. Get up, stand up. Aeneas does this immediately. He he doesn't dawdle. He's not sheepish about it. He gets up, healed by Jesus Christ. What's interesting? Look at what else Peter says. I mean, we see resurrection power there. Aeneas is healed. But then Peter says something curious. Make your own bed. Make your own bed. I I told my wife early in the week, I'm going to call this sermon good housekeeping. (laughs) But that's not really the point. That's not the point of this. Aeneas has no doubt had people help him these eight years with, with things such as housekeeping and caretaking. The man's paralyzed. But you see, this story is not about the state of the bed. It's about the state of the man. It's about the state of the man. When we get a chance, when we are extended an opportunity to to begin again, really to come to life and to move forward, then we really ought to take it and not look back. I'll give you an example. Eighteen years ago, I, I broke a hip and was confined to a hospital bed in the front room of our home for two months in order for the hip to heal without surgery. And in a strange way, there was a sense of security in that bed. As I was, in essence, learning to walk again and, and doing physical therapy. <laughs> Thanks be to God for physical therapy. All those good and needed things to, one does in order to get back to speed. I'm a big believer in physical therapy. I would get worn out. And I I was in excruciating pain. And after a hard workout, (laughs) I found security in that bed, there in that front room, with the rails and everything. That was home base. But when the day came for me to be done, I left that bed. I left that bed. I had a one-year-old son to help take care of, a wife to assist, a home to help manage, and a job to to which to physically return. It was time to move forward. It, it, It was time to come to life. And I think sometimes we all find safety in those familiars, don't we? Those habits, those mindsets, we're tempted to stay in those behaviors, those mental reruns, as it were, which, you know, reruns replay in our brains. Think, things perhaps maybe we can't move past. And those things, those types of things over time, they, they begin to produce a whiff and a stain of spiritual mildew. And when we think of mildew, we don't usually think of things being pleasant, do we? We don't get a sense of refreshed life, do we? Get up and make your own bed come to life. All those who live in that area, Lydda and Sharon, they they see Aeneas healed, and they turn to the Lord. All. What the Lord does in the life of Aeneas leads the people of Lydda and Sharon to salvation. (laughs) Miracles tend to attract attention, don't they? (laughs) When activities of God occur and and they're witnessed, people tend to take stock of their own lives. And there's usually fear. And there's sometimes panic. And the reason why is because we begin to look at the sin of our own lives. We're all sinners. Well, this is what happens here. We read that they all turn toward the Lord. All. And if you look back just just a few verses to verse 32, you see that there are saints there in that town. God-fearing people. And so, looking at the Word of God logically as we're called to do, if all turn to the Lord in verse 35, that means the saints are included in that turning. Those ones who had already trusted in Jesus for salvation, they considered their own standing before the Lord. And that's a good thing. That's what we are supposed to do. We're we're called to do that. All believers need a regular spiritual checkup. Jesus himself told us in in John chapter 15, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown away like a branch and he dries up and they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned." Those of us close to the things of God, those of us close to the things of God should be turning to him regularly. Especially those of us close to the things of God. Because we know. We know better. Scene 2. Now in Joppa, there is a disciple named Tabitha which translated means Dorcas. And this woman, she excels in acts of kindness and charity, which she does habitually. Tabitha. Dorcas, she is a disciple. She's kind, she's charitable, and she acts on these character traits. She not only acts, she excels. She excels. Tabitha, Dorcas is a pace-setter. What she does, she she does as a witness for the Lord. And as a result, she points other lives to the Lord. What an influence! What an influence! I'm thankful for lives in the church who serve like Dorcas. Amen. We, We need those lives who are a witness in that manner. And when Things of life happen. The normal life cycle types of things. The church feels it. This is what I mean. Look at 37. It happens at that time that Dorcas becomes sick and she dies. The church grieves when those things of life happen. We ourselves have grieved. We're told in, the, in Psalm 116 that precious in the sight of the Lord is the homegoing of his saints. But we grieve, and Dorcas' passing is grieved. They, they wash her body, and they lay it in an upstairs room. Tabitha, Dorcas, she becomes ill. She succumbs to whatever illness is present. Her remains are cleansed. She's prepared for burial. She's dead. Her body is placed in an upstairs room away from the hustle and the bustle of the main quarters of the house there in Joppa. And since Lydda is near Joppa, About nine miles, the disciples, having heard that Peter is just up the road, the disciples send two men to Peter, urging him, "'Do not delay in coming to us.'" Dorcas passes, following all of her burial preparation. The church in Joppa hears the news that that Peter is just up the road. When when the whole area has a revival, word travels, word gets out, and so the church dispatches two disciples. And, and, and an interesting thing about two-going. One writer said this, In unsafe times and by dangerous roads, it was customary to send two messengers, both for mutual protection and that if anything happens to one, the other might still deliver the message. And I think that's significant, and this is why. I see that these assumptions, which Luke has in the text, some of these day-to-day things that don't make really sense to us, but they would to the readers in that day, what that does, it proves that's one more piece of evidence of the reality of Luke's account. There's power in the eye that records the ordinary. Peter gets the message, Peter gets ready, and he goes with them. And when Peter arrives, they they bring him into the room upstairs. And all the widows are standing beside Peter. And they're weeping, and they're, they're showing all the tunics and the garments that Dorcas used to make while, while she was with them. Uh, Tabitha, Dor, Dorcas was kind. And part of her giving, part of her charity in which she excelled was the provision of clothes. There were physical needs that she endeavored to meet. And I know that we engage in, in those same kinds of things here with the, with the giving of blankets to our seniors in one church in which I was a part, we had a, a group of, of ladies that met together weekly to knit caps for, for premature infants at the hospital. Acts of charity. Well, these tunics and, and garments, these are shown as a tribute to, to Tabitha, to Dorcas. And, and all the widows, they're grieving. Peter Sends them all out. And Peter kneels down and Peter prays. And he turns to the body and he says, Tabitha, arise. Arise. She opens her eyes and she sees Peter and Tabitha. Dorcas sits up. She sits up and Peter gives her his hand and he raises her up and calling the saints and the widows, Peter. Presents Tabitha, Dorcas, alive. And it becomes known all over Joppa, and many believe in the Lord. And uh, like in Lydda and Sharon, when the Spirit of God is on the move, things happen. Peter stays in Joppa many days with a, a tanner named Simon. Again, in the midst of of these God moves, this supernatural moving of the Holy Spirit, there's a look into evidence of the ordinary. Peter needed somewhere to stay, but, but not for long, as we'll see next time. At Dorcas' bedside, what did Peter say? Tabitha arise. Tabitha, arise. There was a time when Jesus said something similar, in a similar situation in in Luke chapter 8. Jesus is returning to Galilee, and and there's people there waiting for him. The crowd is waiting for him to to move and act. And, And a man named Jairus comes and he's an, he's an official of the synagogue, and he falls at Jesus' feet. And he begins to urge Jesus to, to, come, to come to his house because Jairus has a daughter who is, who is 12, and she's dying. Well, while all this is going on, there's a woman who is healed, and there's hubbub, and Jesus is speaking. While Jesus is still speaking, someone comes from Jairus' home and says, Your daughter has died. Jesus hears this. And he responds, he says, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe, and she will be made well. Jesus comes to the house. And he does not allow anyone to enter with him except for the girl's mother and father and Peter, and James, and John." (laughs) Peter, you you better believe, is taking all of this in. They're all weeping, and, and there's mourning, and Jesus says, Stop weeping, for she has not died, but is asleep. Well, they begin to laugh at him, knowing that the little girl is dead. Jesus takes the little girl's hand and speaks forcefully, we're told, forcefully, saying, Child, arise. Her spirit returns and she gets up immediately. Mark chapter 5 records this same event. and, And Mark tells us that Jesus took the child's hand and he says, Talitha cum. Talitha cum. Which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. On that day, Peter was paying attention. Peter remembered what Jesus, the Lord of life, had done. And on this day, in the name of Jesus, the one who has power over life and death, Peter first prays and then presents this woman, Tabitha Dorcas, alive again. And many believe in the Lord. The power of God Shown for salvation. What does it mean? Why does it matter? How do these two scenes impact our lives today as individuals, as, as the church? Peter uses a certain word when he makes his command for Tabitha to arise and, and, and for her to sit up. He, he says a word, and I mention this because it's significant. The word means to raise up, to, to set up, to rise from the dead. And this is why I think it's significant. It's the same word which Peter speaks to Aeneas earlier when he tells him to get up and make his bed and leave the past behind. Come back from the dead. You see, there's a beauty to new life. There's a beauty to being given the opportunity to have a new life. To move beyond the reruns of habits or behaviors, or mindsets that are tainted with that spiritual mildew. And it all begins with entrusting our lives to Jesus, the one who went to the cross to lay down his life, in order for us to to have our sins forgiven and to have the promise of eternal life for each of us because of Jesus resurrection, Jesus came back from the dead. And with all of that, we mustn't forget Jesus' resurrection life is resurrection power. It's resurrection power, and it's not only for eternity, but it's also for living life right now. Like Aeneas, we we all have those things in life which cripple us. We we all have impairments, spiritual impairments, which manifest themselves emotionally and socially and sometimes even physically. But spiritual impairments. But you know what? If we can trust Jesus with saving the soul with with our salvation. You, You know what? We can trust Jesus with those impairments, and he will bring healing. Get up and go to Jesus. Be raised up to life. Come to life. Pray with me. Father, we we see an account of resurrection power. And it has implications for us living today. These are historical events, yes. But they're not relegated to the past. These give evidence to resurrection life, which matters today. Jesus is the Lord of the living. He's come back to life. And we know that he's coming again. But as we wait on his return, Lord, you've given us a Savior who has gone to the cross and to the grave and come back again. And he's given us his Holy Spirit as a means to not just engage with the the grind of the day-to-day, but to be overcomers, to have victory in this life. Father, we're thankful for the resurrection life, which you've promised us because we're thankful for the resurrection We're thankful for the events which led to the resurrection, which was the death of your son. He went to the cross to take our sins. And Father, the journey to resurrection life all begins there. For every one of us. Salvation is free for all because Jesus died for all. Salvation is accessed by by turning from sin, confessing Jesus as Savior. We're thankful for Jesus, the Savior, who's come to bring us resurrection life. It's in his name we pray, and it's in his name we worship. Amen.